Hallelujah. I, last night, I, well, I wasn't here last Sunday, as you know. I'm Pastor Julie, for those who don't know me. But last Sunday, I was preaching at another church. So I didn't get to hear Phil preach. Uh, but I heard the reports that came back. And so I, last night, sat there and watched the whole thing. Um, didn't even, he came up and he said, you, can, you know, you can fast forward that and play it faster. I said, no, I really want to hear this. It's really good, actually. And there was a couple of revelations in there that I went, whoa, I didn't know that. Um, so thanks, uh, Phil, for, yeah, everything you so Apostolic hat on and, and really bring alignment and understanding to the day. Yet, as yet, you would have got an email with a link to it, or you can go to YouTube, listen to it, get your friends to listen to it. It brings lots of clarity and understanding to what's going on. Amen. Un unbelievably, a minister the other day who has asked me for some mentoring and, uh, and a prophetic ministry, and I asked this person, um, you know, what do you think? What do you feel about what's going on in Israel? And they went, oh, I'm not really following that. And I went, whoa, okay. If we're prophetic, even if we're not prophetic, if we're human beings right now, we need to watch what's happening in Israel because that is the marker. That is the marker for the world. As Pastor Phil said last week, what happens in Israel affects the whole world, and it, it is a prophetic unfolding right now that we are seeing. You know, some people just go, well, it's just another war. It's just another war. But I want to tell you, it is not just another war. I don't think this war will finish. I think this war will continue until Jesus comes and interrupts it, which the Word of God says that he will. Amen. Interrupt it. Who, who's ever heard people say, like, I'm really afraid about the end of the world? Anybody feel that in their own hearts? Young people, do you ever feel like you, you're afraid? Lindsay, you're afraid of the end of the world? Well, I want to tell you, I want to give you some good news this morning. The world doesn't end. There is no end of the world. The creator of heaven and earth is in complete control. Amen. And so there would have been an end, the Word of God says, if Jesus didn't come on the clouds with the mighty warriors of heaven and interrupt the war that would have annihilated the earth. But he will do that. Amen? Is that good news? It's good news, isn't it? We need good news, Tony. We need good news. Amen? So we've stepped into, with this beginning of this war, so we can't pray, Lord, stop the war. Because in actual fact, it is part of biblical prophecy. We can pray, God, protect the people. Lord, we can pray, God, have mercy on the people. In fact, I was on a Zoom call with a worldwide global prayer movement uh, last week, and there was two Jewish ladies on there old ladies, they're kind of in their 80s and 90s, who are seers and who were actually there observing what was happening. And they said in the spirit, they could see that God was taking, taking the spirits of people out before they suffered. That he came and took all of the little babies and he took their spirits out 
before they could feel anything. That is his mercy, as Julie sang this morning. He's a merciful God. He's a merciful. Do you think he would just be up there and just watch little children, little babies, families suffer? No, he comes in his mercy. And that's what he did to Jesus actually on the cross. If you read your Bible, actually when, when, when the storm started to come and they thought we better hurry up this, because to hurry up a crucifixion, you break the legs and they would fall down and they would suffocate quicker. And they broke the legs of the other two. And when they came to Jesus, they didn't have to break his legs because God had already taken his spirit. Yeah. So he's merciful like that. You've got to understand, you've got to get up higher and see the mercy of God and see the plan of God. And, and it looks so different from up here, right? It looks so different from that place where we're supposed to be at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. If we get up above it, like the Bible says, to get up with eagle's wings, then we begin to see the perspective of God and how God in his mercy is entwining everything together for good, Romans 8, 28. He's entwining everything together for good to fulfill his plans and his purposes. Because to him, he wants to rescue all of us. He wants to give us a new heaven and a new earth. He wants to take us into a 1,000-year millennial reign. I was thinking about it this morning. I was listening to a song called The City of God by Stephanie Gressinger. And she sings about what it would be like when, when the city of God finally arrives. We've talked about before about the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, and it's going to land in Jerusalem. And it, and, and, and it will have the throne of God, where Jesus will rule and reign for a thousand years from Jerusalem. Why do you think that mount is under such attack? They're not after the land. Satan is after the place where God is going to place his throne. He's after the throne of God. Amen. And so the new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven. And that's why we're feeling this compression right now because it's coming down, it's coming down and the earth is shaking and everything is happening. But this is good news to us because when the new Jerusalem lands, we actually get to live from the city of God. And it actually says there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more evil. Just for a second, I was thinking about it when I was listening to this song this morning and I was just breathing in. I said, I can't even imagine what life would be like without evil. What life would be like without fear. What life would be like without impending danger. What life would be like with try, without trying to protect our children from everything. What life would be like without sickness, without death, without anger, without greed, without murder, without violence? What would life be like? That's what the city of God is bringing us. And that's why we need to get excited. And we need to have hope, as Pastor Phil said, and peace, knowing that God is bringing things to a head 
because he is looking at each one of us and wanting to give us the best gift that he could give us, and that is life in peace. And so that's what we're working towards. Even though it looks messy, you know, it's very messy having a baby, isn't it? Those of us who have been in childbirth or witnessed it or been partners with it. It's a very messy business, childbirth, but we know that at the end of the day, we're going to hold a miracle. You know what I mean? And so in the midst of all this, do you think that God would really not have a plan? Do you think that God would just say, well, you all just sit down and, and hang out there while Satan just wreaks havoc across the earth and kills and destroys and plunders and you just try and stay safe in your little houses as long as you can? Ugh. No. He has a plan. He has a plan. And the plan is you. The plan is us. Why would you be alive right now? Out of all the generations that have gone before us, thousands of years of people that could have been chosen to live right now, but he chose you. Why? I often ask him why. I just go, why me, God? Really, honestly. We're up for it. Yeah, I'm up for it. Come on. You know, I've talked about before how he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I was talking to Wade about that this morning. Welcome to our church, Wade, by the way. You're such a, a wonderful son and um, so excited to get to know you. Very excited about your life in Jeremy. Very excited about you too. Very excited about all of you, actually, because I can see the evolving of the sons and daughters of God being made manifest within our midst. Why? Because we tell you the truth. Amen. As Pastor Phil said last week, I am bringing you to maturity. And, you know, we're not just sitting here giving you pat me, stroke me, nice messages. So you can just, no way. You know, when you see things unfolding, it is our job to prepare you to stand and to, and to do the work that God has anointed you to do before you're formed in your mother's womb. Otherwise, you would not be here right now. He would not have chosen you for this generation. Just put your hand on your chest and say, I am chosen. I'm special. And I'm up for it. Amen. <laughs> so the, 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 according to Scripture, the conflict in Israel is a marker. One that should cause us to awaken and take notice. Amen. And get our lamps full. Amen. Um, hallelujah. So I'll just read this out, what I've written here, because I think it's powerful. Biblical prophecy is unfolding before us and we can't afford to be ignorant. For now will be a time of extraordinary shifting, transformation and transition. Who's feeling that? Amen. It is evident to all that we are in a time of notable change and transition. We must awake and read the signs of the times. You know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, today it will be stormy for the day the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, 
but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. So important. Get on your weather channel. You know what I'm saying? Get on the weather channel and say, God, what is really happening here? My intention today is not to give you some kind of end time teaching. I think there's a lot of that out there if you want to go and find it. I'm going to give you a quick overview because I want to get to the point of what I feel like God has put in my spirit for this day and for this moment. And so the, 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 the scripture clearly tells us that the world will get darker and the church or the people of God will get brighter. Amen. And his glory will be seen on us. Let's just have a look at that scripture in Isaiah 60, my favorite scripture over the last five years. Arise and shine. Wake up and shine. It's time to shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But, everyone say but. God has a but. That didn't sound right, does it? Anyway, God has an alternative, an answer. <laughs> but the Lord will arise over you. The Lord will arise uh, over you. And his glory will be seen upon you. What does the glory of the Lord look like? It looks like light. God is light. God is light. And if you read on in Isaiah 60, it says, nations will come to the dawning of your light. Nations will be drawn to the dawning of your light. Even now, see, as, as darkness gets thicker, it's like the light becomes more evident. Is that right? You go into a pitch dark room, turn a little lamp on, Everyone's going to look at the lamp, right? Even I know I can't sleep in hotel rooms where they've got the, the clock with the, you know, the digital. No, I have, to, I have to put something over that or I can't sleep. Joey had to borrow. She slept at my house last night. My granddaughter, she had to borrow my eye mask because she can't sleep with any light in the room. So there's sleepers all over the earth who have been asleep and have not understood what's going on. And suddenly they're going to go, they're either going to want to put an eye mask on or they're going to have to say, well, there's, there's a lot of light going on. And they're going to be drawn to the light and the light is in you. The light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world and the light of the world lives inside of me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I love that tarot. You're so enthusiastic. So things will get pretty bad, and we all can feel that. I mean, you just need to read the book of Revelations, and it just like freak me out, freak me out. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about this. You look at the images that are happening in Jerusalem. What if this comes to our back door? What if I have to hide my kids? All that kind of stuff goes through our minds, right? The majority of the focus of the war will be around Israel, Right? But we're all going to be affected in some way, shape or form. But we don't, we don't need to get into fear. We need to get into faith. Because this, this has to happen so that many will come to salvation. 
I mean, in our Western culture, we're so comfortable. We're so comfortable. I mean, how many people do you know that just like, I don't need God. I've got three cars, a white picket fence, a nice house. I can pay for private schooling for my kids. But deep down inside, they're, they're distraught. They're lost. They're, they, they, they know. They know that things have shifted, that there's a change. And we need to give them hope in a hopeless time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we know that, that through the scriptures, and as I said, I don't want to go into it today, but through the scriptures, we know that we're promised what's called a rapture. And who knows about the rapture? Who doesn't know about the rapture? Okay, so five people put their hand up that they know. No one put their hand up that they don't know. So it's all cool. They're on the fence. And so, you know, there's lots of controversy about when the rapture will happen, but there's no controversy about that there will be a rapture. So a rapture will be that when things get to a certain stage, that Jesus will call us up and take us to a safe place in heaven while he sorts the mess out, basically. And then he'll bring us back down to rule and reign with him in the new Jerusalem. So he has an exit plan for us. And we have to trust in that exit plan, right? Because look at, just look at the word of God. Look in Noah, Noah's time. He had to destroy the earth. But what did he do with the righteous people? He put them on a boat, right? And he protected them until the earth was destroyed. And then he let them come back on the earth. It's basically what's going to happen to us. He basically is going to put us in an ark and take us up. And we'll be taken up in our, in our spirits, in our bodies. And he will look after us. Amen. And that's all your kids, whether they believe in Jesus at a young age yet, they will be taken. Every one of us will be taken with him. So that's our exit plan. We have a plan. But according to scriptures, a lot of people say, is it before the tribulation? Is it after the tribulation? Is it in the middle of the tribulation? I think we've got to be ready for all of it, <laughs> personally. I'm ready. Like, as Phil said, you know, I'm, I've got this. We're in for this. Because I really do believe I don't see a God who would say to 10% of the world, I'm just going to take you out of, the, out of here while the rest of them perish and leave 90% here to just be destroyed by an evil uh, ruler. I, I don't see that. I think that he needs to leave the light on the earth for as long as he can. So that we are here to love and to, and to look after and to guide. And, you know, I'm connected now with, with a, as I said, a worldwide global ministry who right now have got people from all over the world in high places and who have now got enough food to feed 5 million people stored. They've worked at how to shrink the food. They've worked at how to dry the food. They've worked at how to store it in containers um, that is stored for the Christians. So if there comes a time where we can't buy or sell, we've got food. And they're increasing that every day right now. There's also, they've also got their own money system and banking system in place now, ready to be released when we need it. So there's things that God has already given, uh, uh, ways and devices, as the scriptures say, and strategies to people on the earth 
so that we're all in this together. We're not just blindly going, well, you know, what happens if we can't buy or sell? What happens if we don't have food? There are people growing crops all across the world now and working out how to dry those crops and put them in containers. And there, there will be enough for everyone. Amen. And that's worldwide ministry. It's not just in one country. It's in many countries across the earth working together. It's, you know, there's a secret society. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're not dumb. We're not just going to sit around and wait. We're in, we, we, we are called into action and we're giving strategy from God. Amen. And so that's the hope that we have. The hope that we have is in Jesus and we belong to him and he looks after his own. He looks after his own. Amen. So you got that? Okay. So so we know that Jesus is going to come again. So the title of my message is Jesus, the coming king. We know that he's going to come again. He said that he would come again. Look at this in Hebrews 9.28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. That's good news. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. That's called the rapture. Good. You need to like underline that one in your Bible and just go, this is my hope. This is my hope. Revelations 1, 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Matthew 24, 36. But concerning that day and that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only knows the time and the day when Jesus will return. So the thing is, the Bible continuously tells us to be ready. To live as if we've got forever. To live as if you're going to put your kids through university, right? But to live as if he's coming tomorrow at the same time. Always be ready. That's why there's that parable about the virgins, you know, the five, the ten virgins, the five foolish and the five wise. The five foolish virgins didn't have enough oil in their lamps when the bridegroom came. And they tried to borrow it off the five wise virgins who had enough oil in their lamp. The virgins depict us, the church. The lamps depict how much of God we have inside of us, how much oil is in our lamp, how much light we're giving out right? And the ones that didn't have enough oil, he shut them out and said, sorry, you can't come in. That's pretty sad. That's pretty sad. So we've got to make sure we're full all the time. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. Amen. Amen. In Revelation 3.20, the Lord says, behold, I stand at the door. I don't know about you, but there is a sense right across the earth right now that Jesus is standing right at that door. And he's standing at the door because he wants to reveal himself to as many as he can. Amen. That's why we've been feeling 
We've been feeling Jesus more. Who's been feeling that? Who's been sensing him? Who's been seeing him? Who's been feeling him? Who's been hearing him? I mean, you know, he's just being so real with us right now because he totally wants us to be in him and with him on this journey. And as promised through these scriptures, the Lord is coming, but he's coming first to us before he comes for us. He's coming to us before he comes for us because he's making a people that are ready. And he's preparing our hearts to be ready for him. Hallelujah. You know, Scripture clearly tells us, although we don't know the day or the time that he will come, Scripture clearly tells us that he will come back the same way that he left. So if we study the Scriptures and we look at the way that he left, we get an idea of what's going to happen on the earth before he comes. Amen? You get that? And so let's look at the ascension. This is when he was leaving. So he's died on the cross. Hallelujah. He's been to hell. He's taken the keys of hell and death. And he's ascending to his father. And then he comes back and he comes to talk to everybody. Unreal. And so it says in Acts 1, 9 to 11, after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So he was taken up before their very eyes. The same way that he went is the same way that he'll come. Everyone will see him in the clouds. Is that true? Right? We just read that a second ago. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Who are the two men dressed in white? No, angels. They were the angels. They were two men dressed in white. And I just love the way that in the book of Acts and even in the whole Bible, it is commonplace for people to see and interact with angels. Commonplace. So it says there, as he was going, suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. They saw them with their eyes, not in their imagination even, they saw them with their eyes. They were such a common place for them to interact with angels in the book of Acts, even in the whole Bible, if you read it, there was interaction with angels all the time. There was always angels appearing, speaking, communicating, giving messages, fighting for people. Look right through the word of God. Amen. And then if you, if you look at when um, Paul and Silas were locked in prison, and we know that the angels came and took the chains off them, opened the doors and let them walk out. Meanwhile, there was a prayer meeting going on in a house that they would be released. The people who were praying in the house heard a knock at the door. And one of the people said, it's okay, it's just Paul's angel. It's just his angel. Like they were so used to angelic intervention that they didn't even want to get up and answer the door because they said, it's, all, it's okay, it's just his angel. And of course, it was actually him. That was so used to angelic. And I think that that is going to increase and is increasing right now. Amen. And we can train ourselves to see them and work with them because they are here to help us. The same as the great cloud of witnesses. You know, as the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, it says that, that there are a great cloud of witnesses. That means everyone who has gone before us that is in that cloud of witnesses, Moses, Jeremiah, Elijah, they're all in there. In fact, my mother is there because she 
bossed her way in. She, she was such a bossy boots. And she bossed her way in and said, well, I'm here now and we're going to pray for that church, C3 Chagra. I saw her do it. I actually, Lord, let me see her do it. It was like, oh, mum, really? Um, it's so embarrassing. Anyway, and so there's a great cloud of witnesses as well. And they're interacting with us. And they are not just praying for us, but they're interacting with us because they want us to finish what they started. They would have done, the Bible says they would have done anything to live in this time, right? So you've got Moses, you've got Elijah, you've got David. They're looking at you going, guys, I don't know why he chose you either, but he did. (laughs) David's probably saying, should have chose me, like, I would have done it. I would have taken it home, God. But why did you choose these raggedy, mutton-looking people to to take it home for us? Because motley crew, because Jesus uses the foolish things of this world to dumbfound the wise. That's why. Amen. So I'll be a fool for Jesus right now. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, I love it. And and the angels say this to them. Let's go back to that scripture. They've just watched him go up in the clouds and there's two white angels there. And they said, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you to heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go to heaven. He's gonna come back in. So, ooh, trumpet blast. Clouds open, there he is on a white horse. I mean, I just can't wait until I, you know, and we won't be going nah, 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 to all the people. We don't, we're not going to be doing that. We'll probably be weeping that they didn't make it. But anyway, he's, it's going to be a triumphant entry. But not only when he comes back in will he be seen in the clouds, but there is a prerequisite to him coming on the clouds where he's going to appear to many. And he's going to reveal himself to many. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 8. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom were still living, though some had fallen asleep. Do you know when Jesus rose from the dead, people come out of their graves, right? They actually come out of their graves. And they were there witnessing him with these other 500 people. After that, he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also. So here's this risen Christ and he's done his work. He's paid for the sins of mankind. He's risen from the grave. He's seated now at the right hand of the father. And he must have just said to the father, look, dad, how about I just go back down and reassure them that I'm, you know, that I'm coming again and that I'm real and that I'm alive. And he came back and he appeared to so many. So many saw him. In fact, for 40 days, he walked the earth for 40 days after he was resurrected. Let's read that. After his suffering, Acts 1-3, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. He gave them convincing proof this is, what is, this is how he's going to come back. 
It won't be just pie in the sky like, woo, Jesus, you're out there somewhere wafting around. No, he's going to come and he's going to give us convincing proofs that he is real, that he is here, that he is with us, and he is going to reveal himself to people. Convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. In his resurrected body, he walked and talked with the people for 40 days to prepare them for the birthing of the church. Amen. And so Jesus will return the same way he left, first revealing himself to his beloved. So the first thing he did was re reveal himself to those who are very close to him. And I don't know about you, I want to get so close. I want to get so close to him. And I believe right now he's revealing himself to those who are close to him, those who, who, who want him. You know, I was saying to Wade this morning, you know, I've been weeping just going, Jesus, I don't want to take one breath without you. I want you so bad. I want you to reveal yourself so bad to me because I don't want to display me to the world or to those who are needing you, Jesus. I need to display you. And if you, if you possess me, if you reveal yourself so much to me that I'm literally possessed by you, then they will see you and not me. And they will come to you, amen? Not to a man, not to a celebrity figure, not to a good conference. Do you know what I'm saying? Jesus is coming individually to each one of us, not to the corporate. Not to like going to a conference and five people get called up the front for prayer and we're all just sitting there. No, he's coming. He's coming en masse. He revealed himself to 500 people at once. That's, he has, he's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He can do that. He can, he can now, right now in this moment, he could reveal himself to each one of you at a greater level at the same time. Bang because that's who he is, and that's what he wants to do. Amen? First revealing himself to his beloved, first coming to us, first coming to us before he comes for us, first coming to us before he comes for us. And just as he revealed himself after he was resurrected and before he left, so now he is revealing himself to us through dreams, visions, convictions, there is a drawing to him in a very real and very personal way to his beloved. I mean, dreams are going to increase. What did it say? In the last days, I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even upon my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit and all will prophesy. All will have visions, dreams. Everyone will, pro everyone will have the realm of the Spirit to connect with Him. It will not be an isolated thing. We're all going to walk in it. We're all going to walk in the realms of revelation. And also, He is revealing Himself to others. I love that video you played last week of that. I just, I want to watch that a hundred times of that beautiful ISIS man. Who, you know, just, he said, Jesus just touched me on the shoulder. And just the way he, I just can't, and he says, I just can't believe it. How can he forgive me, you know? 
I mean, and we're not supposed to be forgiven. It's, you know, we, if we do all the stuff and do all the work, maybe we may be, we don't have any. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad that there's no, no guarantee? But Jesus touches him on the shoulder and he feels forgiveness. He doesn't just get a revelation that Jesus forgives. He actually feels forgiven. It's like the weight is lifted off. You know, it's a supernatural encounter and a supernatural impartation. Phil was telling me, and I, I did see it too, a family of seven Muslims, seven people in a family sleeping in separate rooms, all had the same dream on the same night at the same time. They all came out to each other in the morning and they all had dreamt about Jesus coming and saying that he was the Messiah, that they were to follow him. I mean, I mean, it's amazing. How much do you think that he's amping it up in Israel right now? Because we know that he cannot come back. He cannot come back until his people, the Israelites, say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Until they fall on their face and recognize Messiah, he's not coming back. And you say, why are you praying for Israel? Because none of us are going anywhere until they fall on their knees. And, and recognize the Messiah has come. He's not coming. He's already come. Amen. And in the midst of this, I believe this, that he's revealing himself to street people, to new age people, to drug addicts. I've been watching videos of like, you know, people that are sleeping in the street because they're, you know, alcoholics at 25. And Jesus comes, taps them on the shoulder, says, follow me. I mean, I'm watching testimonies increasing like this. He's revealing himself to the prodigals. And I said to you before, do you think that God would not have an answer in this day? Do you think he would not have a strategy and a plan? His plan is a generation rising up of incredible warrior type people. And I don't mean one generation, I mean generations together. But definitely his eyes are upon the younger generation. I believe there's people right now, say from 20 up to 30, right now that God is putting his finger on. Maybe up to 40, actually, because I have to include you guys in there, don't I? Um, I just saw Andrew, I went, are you 40? Are you over 40 now? 41. It's for, okay, up to 41 <laughs> that God is putting his finger upon. A generation of deliverers will awaken and arise. A generation of deliverers. Amen. Moses was one deliverer. We're going to see a generation of deliverers. Amen. Who will arise. And they will be the ones who rule and reign on the earth in the millennial reign as kings and priests. So right now we are being trained and equipped to be the kings and priests that rule and reign for a thousand years with Christ when he returns. That's what you're being trained for, guys. Amen. There's some crowns to come. But guess what we're going to do with the crowns? Guess what we're going to do? We're going to throw them at his feet. Because we're not going to want any glory. Because only Jesus will have the glory. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I get happy. Um, that's right, Tarot. That's right. I saw in a vision 
Give me another five minutes, right? I saw in a vision, because I'm just getting amped up now. Like it just hit me. I'm hot as anything. It's fire all over Because I'm up for it. Because he empowers me to be up for it. Otherwise, I'd just be a wreck, really, without him. Um, it was about, about three years ago, I think. I have to look back in my diary because I just write everything down as I see things and as I have visions. And it was in a vision. And I saw the hand of the Father. It was like this with a thumb up. And I could just see his arm and his hand. And I saw him coming to the earth. And I saw him going like this on the head's of young people. There was these people that were being marked for this day. And they're going to come out of all kinds of different lifestyles. You know, Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, we read the river of God that flows from the very throne of God. And along the, in the river, there are many kinds of fish. There are many kinds of fish. And we're going to see many kinds of fish coming in. No, I just saw one of the big um, occult leaders, witchcraft woman, famous woman for some reason. I don't know why, but she's just come to Christ and got baptized and everyone's up in arms. I don't know who she is. But anyway, I just see her black makeup and I go, whoa, I hope someone's delivering her as well as baptizing her. But praise Jesus, people are turning and there's all kinds of fish coming in. Hallelujah. I see, I see in amongst these people being marked, I saw an army of prayers and intercessors and fathers and mothers who were literally birthing this generation into, into existence, who are actually interceding. And I've been doing that just this week, interceding for certain people as, as I'm watching God unveil them and remove the veil from their eyes so they can see the calling and the hope that they have upon them. Amen. Fathers and mothers are preparing the way and opening the eyes of the Josephs, the Daniels, the Davids. They're calling the prodigals and the Enoch generation. And God said to me that there would come Daniels, Josephs, Davids, and an Enoch generation. How do we understand that? Joseph had a dream. He was a young man. He was then after, in the dream he saw that he would, he would be in a place of great rulership and be given great wisdom on how to navigate the days he was living in, right? But he told his dream and because of that jealousy, he was betrayed, sold, imprisoned. He gets into prison. He starts to interpret dreams. He tried to get himself out of captivity, but failed to get himself out of captivity. We can't do anything in our own flesh in this day, right? Yeah. And so God gives him an interpretation of Pharaoh's dream, and Pharaoh calls him to be the second greatest in his kingdom. He was given great wisdom on how to store for seven years of famine. Store up seven years for seven years of famine. He was given great wisdom. And I believe, do you, I don't know if you remember, you said that to me a few years ago, Julie. I feel like we're coming, I think it was year 2000, I wrote it down. You said, I feel like, mum, we're coming into a season where we have to store up for seven years of, of uh, food and everything. For, it's 2020. Did I say that? No, uh, 2020. We have to store up for seven years and then seven years of famine. 
And so I believe there are Josephs right now on the earth who are giving. And as I said to you before, there are so many that are already doing that or beginning. Um, he forgives his brothers and he realised he was not put down the well by his brothers, but it was God. Some of you have been through things, that you've been through stuff, and you just go like, why the heck did I go through that? It wasn't your brothers that put you down the well, but it was God, because God was forming and shaping men and women of God who will not be weak in the face of adversity. He's shaping men and women of God who know how to stand and how to fight. He's shaping men and women of God who are humble and not puffed up with pride. Amen. And who know that outside of God, they can do nothing. Amen. Hallelujah. And when they do get promoted, when they do give the, get these places of authority, and they're not going to be big headed and puffed up. Amen. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives, for we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. Quickly look at Daniel. He was a devout believer taken into captivity into a Babylonian system. I don't know if you understand a Babylonian system. It's like living in Satanism and an occult 24 hours and having to learn those systems while remaining pure of heart before God. Daniel did that. And I think there's a generation right now that are called to be Daniels, that are called to be pure of heart, who are going to walk away from a lot of stuff and make good decisions decisions for God in the midst of a Babylonian society. Dirt and filth is just going to fall off them, amen, and they're going to walk forward as, as Daniels in this day. He lives a pure and a dedicated life. He thrives in the midst of a Babylonian society. He refuses to eat the food that they serve him, but says, test me in this, me and my friends. And if we're not stronger and healthier than all the other men in 10 days, then you can make us eat that food. Within 10 days, they were stronger and healthier than all the other men. There's, there's men and women of God that are being raised up to not eat the food, to not partake of certain things in this world, and they're going to be stronger and healthier than all the people around them. He interprets dreams. And from the interpretation of dreams, again, we see a, a someone who interprets dreams. We say in the last days, you will dream dreams, amen. And there's an interpretation of what people are seeing. We're going to have the, 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 the wisdom to know what's going on in this world. When people ask us questions, we're going to be interpreting it for them through the word of God, amen. And so then we'll be given rulership and we'll be given authority and we'll be given places in high places, amen. Even kings, it says, will be drawn to you. Even kings will come and say, tell me what God is doing. Help me. Kim Jones last week was with the Queen of Tonga and was called by special appointment to sit with the Queen of Tonga with all her uh, cabinet and prophesy into their lives. Um, it's happening. It is happening. Kim Jones from Liberty Church, my dear friend. I love it too that he interceded for the will of God. Like Daniel interceded. He said, God, it is written in your word and I am going to intercede until I see it to pass. As soon as he began to intercede, angelic hosts were released. Great archangels were released. Michael, Gabriel were released to come and assist him in his prayers. I believe that's happening right now. If you want to know where Michael and Gabriel are right now, they're in Israel. 
They're fighting a war over the Israeli people. So Joseph's and Daniel's will be delivered out of captivity into destiny. God's perfect timing will come upon them. Amen. There's people that have struggled with mental illness. There's people that have struggled with depression, oppression. I'm telling you, people are coming out of captivity into destiny. Where the enemy has tried to destroy you, God is going to work it for your good. Amen. And for the fulfillment of his plan. Why is he delivering so many people? Why are so many people going through deliverance and healing and inner healing? Because I'm telling you what, he's coming for his people. He's coming for a bride. Amen. Yeah. And then lastly, the Lord said to me about, again, I think it was like four years ago. He said to me, and clearly, I mean, it wasn't like I heard sort of in the spirit. I actually heard like an audible voice. And he said to me, Julie, prepare the way for an Enoch generation. And it was that strong. And when I look around at some of the young people and the young children right now, they are so aware and awake to the Spirit of God. And I think even we will be. Enoch walked with God. He walked in the realms of the Spirit. He walked so close to God that he was not. I think we're going to be a people of God who walk so close to God that we'll be raptured. You didn't get it. Enoch walked so close with God that God actually took him. He didn't die. Enoch did not die. He was so close to God that God just couldn't take it anymore. He had to have him with him. And we are going to walk so close with God as an Enoch generation that we will not die. He'll just take us. Amen. Ooh. And an Enoch generation are going to be those who walk so closely in the supernatural realm that they will display his Glory, And I'm not talking about one generation. I'm talking about us as a generation and Nenoch generation. But you look at some of the small children right now. I mean, I'm looking at my grandchildren and the things they're saying, the, the realms that they're seeing. I mean, there's, there's just, it's just amazing. I love it that Julie's teaching her children how to seek Jesus, not just to pray their prayers in bed now. She says, go into your room Close your eyes, ask Jesus to come through the door and stand in front of you and then look at Jesus and she's telling them all the stuff I've been saying. Look what he's wearing. What is he saying to you? What does he say? What have you got to say to me today, Jesus? And her little children, and some big, sorry, Joey, are going into their rooms and they're actually seeking Jesus every night before they go to sleep to hear what he's got to say to them. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 10, nearly finished. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, Jesus said, the works that I do he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to be with my Father. Hallelujah. Because of the revelation of his love. Now, let me just close with this thought. If he's going to reveal himself to us, and he is light, and he is love, and he is fire, 
If he's going to reveal himself to us, the highest of all these things is love. And we are going to be a people that are wrecked by the love of Jesus. That's the key. Amen. I mean, signs and wonders are amazing. He says, greater things than me shall you do. Yes, signs and wonders are amazing. And we all want to pray for the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and do all that stuff that he did. But his greatest attribute that he has is his love. And I believe we're going to be a people saturated with the love of God. What would it look like, do you think, if the church... Christians across the earth were completely saturated with the love of God. And all that stuff just comes out of love, doesn't it? Because it's not coming now out of a place like, I want to pray for the sick because I want to be a big shot or whatever. It's coming out of this place of love. Oh, I have compassion for you. So I'll pray for you. I have love for you. And they're going to feel the love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell you what it looks like are people that are saturated by love. It looks like a people sold out to Christ, boots and all, counting the cost, letting their yes be yes from a place of deep conviction as an answer to a calling that they cannot and will not deny. Did you get that? The, the alternative is to be a part of the great falling away where the Bible says one third of the church will fall away because of what? Cold love. We gotta get hot love right now. The Father even said in Revelations, you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, but because you're lukewarm, I'm gonna spew you out of my mouth. Like it's, we just got to get hot love on us. And that hot love can only come through our connection with Jesus, being with him, letting him saturate us. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what, what can anyone give in exchange for their, glory, for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done in Matthew. Luke 1.17 says this, And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared for the way. Part of the difficulty in navigating these days is because the Lord is doing things, he's not doing things the way he has done them in the past. And a lot of people are looking for the revival the way it used to be or the way he used to do it. That's why we have to navigate a new day and a new thing. I believe the Spirit is saying, open the door, I will come to you and I will reveal end of age plans and purposes if we just cooperate with him. We cannot access these promises through fear or striving, but in absolute rest 
if we just rest and connect with the Prince of Peace. Don't let the images that you're seeing and the things that you're seeing affect the innocence of your heart before Jesus. Don't even look at stuff you don't need to look at. You know what I'm saying? Don't even look at it. Don't keep looking at those images that are coming up. Don't look at them. The Bible says it's a shame to look at what they do in the evil places. Amen? But keep your heart sweet. Protect your heart. Protect your eyes, what you see. Keep the innocence of your heart. We need to stay in deepest love and trust. We need to trust that he is in control. 1 John 4, 18 to 19, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. We are being made perfect in love right now in this time. If you want to know what God is doing, what Jesus is doing right now, he is making us perfect in love. He is pouring out his love. He is revealing himself. And the best thing that we can do is get into peace, get into rest, and let Jesus come through the door. It is prophesied in Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And Revelation 3.20 says this, The Lord Jesus says, Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and I'll just have the worship team. I'm sorry I went a bit longer today, but it was a big message, yeah? And it needed to be said. Just like Pastor Phil's message last week, we're a good team. Thank you, Jesus.